0: We are in the condition we are in, in the state of ignorance we are in, in the state of war, in the state of economic depression, in the state of depletion of the resources of our planet because of the greed of psychopaths who thought they could create their own reality. Well, look at the reality they created. You're listening to The Truth Perspective on the Soft Radio Network, the world for people who think.
1: Welcome to The Truth Perspective. Um, Today, it is May 23rd. I'm your host, Harrison Cayley. Joining me today, we've got Carolyn. Hi. And Shane. Hello, everybody. And we're going to be talking about some recent stories and some background involving those guys we've all come to love to hate, those thuggish, pathological, power-obsessed guys we call cops. And In the news, I mean, we've talked about it before. We talk about it regularly, just how insane the police have become in the U.S. And not just in the U.S., but primarily. Um, But just this past week, there have been so many just stories that are so over the top that uh, we just had to talk about them and kind of rant and Mm -hmm. (laughs) get it out of our systems because they are just, uh, you know, every week. (laughs) It's just... It gets worse mm-hmm. and more absurd and just totally crazy. So, well, to start out with some news, the last, uh, I think it just came out yesterday, a few weeks ago, we talked about uh, Freddie Gray and his death quite in depth. And the six officers involved have been indicted uh, by a grand jury. Slightly different charges than were originally announced but um, reading over the charges are you know no major differences the one guy the driver did get charged with uh, what was it second degree depraved heart, depraved heart. yeah, yeah. And along with you know a, a litany of other charges for him and the other five officers involved so well
0: this one was just so egregious they couldn't let it go yeah I mean you can't sever a guy's spine I mean that isn't that is a headline hmm so
1: and then another update, Shane. Why don't you talk about this one? About the we've we mentioned the story briefly on previous shows, but the the small infant that was basically flashbanged in his room.
2: Yeah, the the story goes back uh, about a year, and uh, there was an anonymous report that the police had gotten about uh, a man who had said that he was sold uh, fifty dollars worth of meth um, from somebody who's living in this home. So they apparently, you know, had uh, some surveillance on on the home for a couple days, and uh, they went in with a no-knock raid and uh, threw in a flash bomb or a flash grenade, uh, which landed in this uh, uh, 19-month-old's playpen, and, you know, really did some damage uh, to the infant, Uh, the 19 month old suffered you know really serious wounds. I had a, a hole in his chest, it exposed his ribs, and burns to the face and chest. Um, so you know it was it was a pretty serious injury. And
0: not only that, they had been warned there was a child in the room.
2: Well, they they said they said that yeah they they didn't they said they didn't know and they yeah. had no no knowing. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know their their actions were. You know, just go going off of this report, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's 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 pretty uh, outrageous, and so the family, you know, they they tried to uh, get compensation for you know, these medical bills that were just astronomical, and the county they came out and said, you know, there's no legal basis for for this. It would be illegal for us to pay, and. Just so they had to pay they had to take the uh the county to court and file a lawsuit and they won uh which is good news for them uh but you know they still had to really just fight tooth and nail uh and and go through all this more suffering after having their you know their infant um nearly killed
1: uh so um and just to note that the the anonymous tip turned out to be bogus. Anyways, the the suspect wasn't even found at that location.
2: Yeah, I think it was right. two, there two were no, houses away.
1: Yeah, no drugs in the house.
0: Theoretically, supposedly they had been surveilling the house for a week. Like they would have known there were kids,
2: right? Exactly, going in
0: and out of the house. Now, did you did you happen to get a clip of of the defense?
2: No. Well that that was that that was the story oh. for that we had up on SOT. I've and it. It, it's just crazy that, you know, they're blaming the, the parents and the child. If they're naming them, the, the child was the, the chief uh, plaintiff and, and, the defense, and defense was, they, so this is what they're, what they said in their, um, well, let me find it here. So they, the defense admits that they conducted this no knock raid. They admit that they threw in this flash grenade, uh, but, um. The the defendants assert that the plaintiff's damages, which is this child, if any, were directly and uh, approximately caused by the uh, contributory and comparative negligence of the plaintiffs and uh, the failure to exercise
1: ordinary care.
0: So it was his fault. He was in the crib. Exactly. Lovely.
1: Yeah. In this, in the article we've got on Sot, they say uh, this is a quote from. It's another description of the defense with the defense that the, the act of sleeping in a room about to be breached by a SWAT team constituted, quote, crim- criminal conduct on the part of the infant. Uh, at the very least, the infant was fully liable for the nearly fatal injuries inflicted on him when Habersham County Sheriff's Deputy Charles Long blindly heaved a flash grenade, flashbang grenade, a destructive device, um, as described by the ATF, which then detonated at... Uh, Detonated burns at two thousand to three thousand five hundred degrees Fahrenheit into the crib. So not only does this
2: family have to go through this happening to their child, and then also have to fight to you know, get some compensation to pay for the bills, then they have then they're being blamed for having the police come in and nearly kill yeah. their child.
0: Yeah. you know, and you've got the the other thing you've got to wonder is what kind of large quotes human being being the lawyer who could barefaced write something like that as a defense. I mean, oh my God, you
2: know? The,
1: I think the law is a is a really silly thing. Was I read a, a good book called Mirror in the Mirror what's it called? Loot in the Mist by Hope Mirleys. It's a novel written in like the twenties. And it has a just a great description of the law and the way that the it's a fantasy novel so everything's kind of over the top but the the law is this thing that can be played with and has no it's a fantasy the law it has it's an illusion it has no no real to actual reality and that's what you see here because sure on the books you know on the law someone can make this this statement but it's like it's it's like pure logic and in philosophy you know you can you can uh, a totally absurd state- statement can be true logically. You know, if you follow certain logical rules. So yeah. of course, you know this can be the law. You can come up with this judgment according to the law, but by any rational human standard, it's totally ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I mean, to blame a baby to hold a baby responsible for being in his crib to, for being like in his, in, house, in in his, his house in his crib in his crib it's it's just totally absurd. It's it's even worse than. That the you know the excuse for you know a wife batterer or something that says that uh, you know she just ran into my fist or something. I mean, this is a a baby.
0: Well, this is also a prime example of the kind of legalistic thinking procedure that's been shielding all of these cases. This is this has mm-hmm. just taken it to its extreme.
2: Well, and really, you know, when we see that you know officers are you know being prosecuted, uh, as in the case with uh freddie gray that's that's really you know that that's a rare thing to see yeah. mm-hmm. like it's it's not it doesn't happen that it's much like a major news story <laughs> yeah, it exactly. so rarely
0: well if you if you know if you're somebody who wants to keep up on this uh, i mean it's just impossible to cover every story because there's so many happening all over the country but there's an excellent site called cop watch mm-hmm. and you are invited to cop block cop Hot block. Yeah. No, I think there's one. Well, maybe, Cop, maybe there's both. There's, there's a couple. Yeah. But it, one of those two, you can report. You can report a local incident because they're compiling a database. Yeah.
1: So
2: contribute. Well, it's you know it's the activity of the the police. It seems to be such a strong you know, indicator of of the health of society, and just because they're in you know public service, it's it seems like that that's more apparent. And then, you know, the shady backroom dealings of politicians, the, the cops are, you know, they're the direct interface with, uh, with the public. And, you know, we see these things pretty much every single day.
0: Well, they're the interface between the citizens and the power structure. Right. So that, that shows you the directives they're getting from the power structure, what, what they come down on and what they let slide. And, uh. But, I mean, this this has been a long time developing I in getting ready for this show. I started to look into the background of it. And this is a situation that's been developing for at least almost two decades. Um, just for the caliber of people you now get in the police department. There was a story back in 2000 where a guy sued. He had wanted to be a cop. And part of the whole getting to be a cop thing was to take an IQ test. He tested out at 125. You want, you, you think you'd want smart, you know, people who can think on their feet and make good conclusions to be a cop. He was turned down because the department only wanted people with IQs of 100 to 104. And actually, they were willing to look below that. Mm-hmm. They were willing to look below that. The average score for police officers was 20 to 22 or an IQ of 104. New London would only interview candidates who scored between 20 and 27. So they're deliberately selecting relatively stupid people. And the rationale they gave was, well, police work is boring and smart people, you know, can not be smart people get bored and they quit because they're bored. Then we've wasted money on training. Seriously? (laughs)
1: No, I think it has to do with smart people make smart decisions and you can't have smart people following dumb orders because then they might want to quit or they might want to blow the whistle or do something sane.
0: Yeah. Well, this story was written in 2014. And at that point, a public opinion poll showed that 65% of those polled felt that the police departments were doing a poor job of holding accountable officers accountable for misconduct and, you know, so you add stupid people and then we can get into the whole militarization of the police and they, uh, who have toys, they're going to want to play with their toys. I mean, when did you hear police having flashbang grenades, except in the last 10 to 15 years? You know, they've just got all this cool stuff and they want to use it.
1: Yeah. And even in this case, they just wanted to use it because they had no reason to use it. No. I mean, you're, you're. <laughs> This no-knock raid, you don't even know if you're, if the suspect is in the house. And so, okay, well, you know, let's just throw a grenade in there and see what happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But um, that brings us to a few other stories um, regarding young children or babies or even unborn babies. Just in the past week, there have been a few... Just, ridiculous stories out there this one's happened on may 15th in chicago Uh, an eight month uh, eight month pregnant woman nicola robinson she was standing outside of her apartment and some police officers were chasing a suspect the suspect got away so she and the group that she was standing with had a good laugh because it is pretty funny when you see a Well, you know, you see an officer kind of fail in the line of duty like that. And, uh, I mean, I'd laugh, but, um, sorry. So she laughed. And so this guy came up to her, um, shoved her first. She was holding her one year old son at the time. He shoved her, punched her in the stomach, called her a black bitch um, she said, she quoted, after he punched me, he said, you black bitch, you better be glad I didn't hit you hard enough to make you lose your effing baby.
2: So he knew that she was pregnant. Yeah, she, she was eight, months, she was eight pregnant. months pregnant. There's a
1: picture of her on the article. She's obviously pregnant. <clears throat> he could tell. And uh, the, the, the reporters, local reporters interviewed her sister as well. And she said that the two officers who were with him were standing there and they're looking like, what are you doing? But I guess they didn't want to say anything. That's pretty normal. She pointed to the surveillance cameras then um, and said, uh, you could tell in his face that he knew that, man, I've messed up. So she said, you know, you're being recorded right now. And so he looked at the cameras and said, oh, you know, oh, crap. Well, yeah. Yeah. And so the the news team said that the, they had confirmed that the, the security um, – yeah, so the management been,
2: building, yeah. or the, the management for the building, you know, confirmed that they had, that it was on video. Yeah.
0: Oh, and they didn't lose it. How nice. No. Yeah. So, is he being charged?
2: Well, it just happened, so no, I think okay. they're investigating, you know. And it was also, uh, I think there was some evidence that she was in the hospital for, you know, five hours or so yeah. getting checked out.
0: Yeah. All because this guy had a bit, bit of an ego. He yeah. got bruised.
2: It's crazy. <laughs> wow. So these are the type of individuals that that we find in our police department. Mm-hmm. There are a couple other, uh, it seems like, you know, that they're kind of going off, well, they're going off in everybody, uh, but, you know, they must have some hatred towards just life in general because there's a, there a handful of stories with um, uh, just misdeeds towards mothers and uh, people who are pregnant, and there was one where there was a doctor he had he was on his way, uh, going to try to save this um, this this dying baby, and he had previously had you know a specific route that was given to him by the police. So he had that clearance. He, yeah, and he was allowed to he was allowed to speed to because he had these types of situations before, and you know, he was a specialist for it. But he got pulled over. You know, he tried to tell. The cop, what was going on, and you know what he was trying to do, but you know it didn't matter. He he detained him anyway.
0: Well, he had a Muslim name. I remember that and from the story. Is,
1: well, his name is Doctor Bhagwan Banga. Oh, all
0: right, Indian okay. and
1: um, a brown person. Yeah, the, the so he received. He was at home and he received a call from the Andalusia Regional Hospital about this baby who uh, had stopped breathing and turned blue. So this was an an emergency situation he was obviously the doctor that they needed to look at him and so he left his house and like Shane was saying he was following this this course that the police had laid out for him in case of emergencies because it had happened before and so they pulled him over
2: well the kicker is that they still they still charged him and he could lose his license for six months mm-hmm. even after all this and, and and the baby did die too yeah think like that's it's it's just it's just baffling how the just the inhumanity that that the the police have it's it is kind of like going back to you know the structure of the law and legalistic um, thinking and it's it's just an absence of any humanity
0: well i think I think it doesn't even get to the level of legalistic thinking I think they just act uh and I found some very interesting articles going back a long way about uh, our favorite psychopathic nation, Israel, has had a very large hand in training the police over the last 14 years. They make money at it, uh, even uh, to send groups of people over. Apparently, they're they're being trained in crowd control, which is another whole can of worms. But I think that that attitude that we see in in uh, in Israel's treatment of the Palestinians has been kind of inculcated into this, us and them, they're not the people we're serving, they're the people we have to defend ourselves against. Uh, but this, this again, has gone a, a very, very long way. The New York City Police Department has an office in Tel Aviv, and they do exchange programs all the time. So you see this attitude, this, this stance being propagated uh, not just in the States, but the UK. I mean, the UK of the land of no guns and, you know, talking it down is also heading that way, too. And they also have a very strong exchange program. So, you know, and then once they do their thing, then we get the, the psycho lawyers in to, to make it all right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, you see basically you know, Israel using their situation and their treatment of Palestinians as you know, a big experiment where what they learn, they charge to all the other psychopathic nations that want to learn from it.
0: Yeah. It's a huge moneymaker for them. It's just crazy. So, the, in fact, the, uh, the whole Ferguson department had had a whole group go over for training. And you see all them, you know, point for point, applying the same, same tactics, the same attitude, everything, just, you know, with predictably the same result.
1: Well, Getting back to this doctor and the story with him, oh yeah. I mean, so put yourself in his position, and you know what can you do? What what should he do? Well, everything right, everything he could do. First of all, this had happened before, so we would talked to the police about it. He had specific instructions on what to do. He had even called nine eleven or nine one one, sorry, on while he was driving to inform them. Um, I mean, there's also the to go just off topic for a bit. There's um, this advice that you, that I've heard oftentimes that, you know, when you're about to be pulled over by the cops, you can call nine eleven just first of all to, you know, confirm that what's going on and this person's a real police officer and that's well within your rights. And so this guy obviously had an, uh, an arrangement with the, the police and again, a totally sane one because... <sighs> He's a doctor. He needs to get to the mm-hmm. to the hospital fast. I mean, he should be allowed to do so.
0: He was given a protocol,
1: and and yet he's pulled over. He's held for you know for fifteen minutes, which makes the you know all the difference in you know, this situation.
2: Yeah,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he was on the phone while he was being like as he while he was pulled over with the hospital trying to explain to them what's going on, and this idiot police officer. <laughs> I mean. There's there's a case of, you know, I think this cop was probably below the 100 <laughs> IQ level, but who knows? But just, Maybe he was just mean. Yeah.
0: Nope. And mean.
1: Combination. Yeah.
0: Mean and on a power trip.
1: And, well, we'll get to another story about a similar, well, in certain ways, story about pulling people over. But there was another story from, from last year. Uh, no, actually, it was just earlier this year. Uh, a couple, Ben and Rachel Conan, were pulled over for going 30 miles per hour over the speed limit. The reason they were going that fast is because um, the woman, Rachel, was in labor. She was about to give birth to her child. So they were going along speeding, and the so this cop was trying to pull them over and chasing them. And she, Rachel had told her husband no, you know, we can't be pulled over, um, you know, I need to get to the hospital, you know, immediately, so, so don't, you know, don't stop, because any stop, you know, will not be good news, and so he kept driving. By the time they were forced to be pulled over, I don't know if it was before or at the hospital, but they were pulled over, and the oh, this is what happened. The cops had set up spikes on the road oh, no. to to stop the car, and so the so they ran over the spikes. the The car stopped, obviously, and then they were ordered out of the car at gunpoint. Mm. And so these this cops were holding them at gunpoint while she's in labor. <laughs> while she's in labor, and um, so I mean, in this case, just like the the one with Doctor Bhagwan Bang, you'd think. That at the first instant that the police realizes what's actually going on, it's something different would happen because both cases are kind of understandable. Because first of all, you know maybe this first cop with the doctor hadn't been informed. You know he didn't have the information that who this guy was and what was going on. But the instant he received that information, you'd think he'd say, "Okay, you know I'm sorry, sir. You know get, you know go on your way. I'll even escort you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know because this is important and I screwed up." In this case, you see the woman. Who's giving birth, (laughs) she's in labor, well, maybe not giving birth, but in labor, about to give birth. Oh, you know, I'm so sorry. I now see why you did what you did. Here, get in my car. I'll drive you to the hospital. I'm sorry. I screwed up. Mm -hmm. But you'll never hear those words coming out of like 99 plus percent of police officers. They never screw up. Mm -hmm. It's always your fault.
2: Well that's how they're trained to see people. You know, it's it's the that the people are automatically the threat. Mm-hmm. And even when they're proved not to be, they still have the the procedural uh things to go through and and it's just completely lacking in any sense, any humanity. Um very just very bizarre world that we live in. Yeah.
1: Another one. <laughs>
2: <Good> Lord.
1: <laughs> This is another one involving... We've got a couple more involving young children. This one goes in a slightly different direction. This was in Georgia, Screven County. Uh, Julie Scott Giles. She was arrested, put in ankle shackles, held for a short amount of time at the local jail because her son had six unexcused absences from school. Three of these, he actually did have a doctor's note, but he just neglected to turn it in or to show it, so... So this mother was taken to jail and shackled because her son had three unexcused absences at school. And this is a
2: substitute teacher, and mm-hmm. you know, three for three unexcused absences, they they you know jail her and put her in yeah you know, sh-
1: shackles and huh. like this just. They said it was. It, oh, this is just normal procedure. Again, you know, if you have any common sense. This is standard procedure, but it's obviously bullshit. So we're not going to do it because, I mean, what are we going to shackle you for? Yeah. I mean, have
0: so did, did the school call the police? I mean, then you, you start you start yeah. wondering, you know, how is the school thinking yeah. about their students? Are the enemy too?
1: Yeah, they're little criminals, little potential criminals. Uh, that's oh. really how they see the
2: uh, children there too, and you know that's that's also kind of seeping its way into the actual schools and. How administrators and principals, mm-hmm. you know, see the kids as they're, you know, these little terrorists.
0: Yep. Wasn't there a five-year-old handcuffed? You had a tantrum or something like that. There was, yeah. That there's been, been a couple of those. Oh it's like you can't deal. You are a six-foot what plus two hundred pound, most likely plus. You cannot deal with a five-year-old. What? Yeah.
2: That's... What is this teaching children? Yeah. You know? It's it's that the world is a threatening place and it just exists in this uh psychopathic worldview. Mm. And
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, so the the woman, Julie Scott Giles, she was released after that, but she still has a court date set. So <laughs> And again, the law. I mean
2: <sighs> Well, that's the thing too, you know. Police really aren't we think that they're you know here to um, protect us and and but really you know all the, all that their duties in terms of law enforcement is and they fought this in you know in the Supreme Court that they're just there to uh, protect after the law has been infringed upon so you know they can't do anything until. You know, somebody's broken the law. Mm-hmm. They're not really here to, you know, protect people. We really need to kind of divest ourselves of the belief that the get over these, that one, yeah.
0: But it, you know, it didn't used to be that way. I mean, I'm I'm old enough to remember whatever version of officer friendly we had, and at that point in time where I live, that was kind of true. I mean, I always have this memory of a, We had one kid in high school, and he was like a classic. James Dean rebel without a cause. And he was always having little brushes and every now and again, a cop would show up and kind of take him away or something. And, you know, you know, most, most likely to be running a gang in 10 years for sure. (laughs) And apparently whoever he got hooked up with or saw him regularly kind of steered him in the right direction. And, and I mean, for, for better, for worse, when i met him he was training to be a police officer but he wanted to work with kids so i mean at one idyllic point in time there was this this ethos this ethos of you know the norman rockwell cop taking the kid running away for an ice cream to sit down and figure out you know what's actually going on with him i mean i don't think you would have that kind of memory if at one point it wasn't marginally true but mm-hmm. it has vanished mm-hmm. It well, was just vanished.
1: I think it's still marginally true, but even more marginally, because every, every once in a while, you you will read a story like that, mm-hmm. and like there was the one we talked about when last time we talked about police um, about the guy that had to, had to go to the department to pick up his or something, and you know they'd sent him to this to this location where they said it would be was being held, and this cop showed up to this guy and, and he just kind of shook his head and said, no, this isn't when you're, where your bike is here, you know, get in my car because this guy had had to walk like several miles to this location to, mm-hmm. to get his bike. And, and so they sat down and this, this cop was having this conversation with this guy saying pretty much what you're saying that, and, and more that uh, it's, changed. it's changed. And the, uh, like the guys that, mm-hmm. the guys that are police officers these days are just totally different and not helpful at all. And he felt like an outsider within the force yeah. and,
0: And it's the sort of thing that drives the people out that you want to be there. The ones who can, you know, be firm and do the protecting and, you know, do do the whole, you know, arresting the drug guy when you have to. But, you know, behave appropriately, you know, to measure Mm -hmm. the situation. You know, do I really need to handcuff a five-year-old? Probably not.
2: (laughs) I think it was maybe a month ago uh, that uh, there is some, it might have been Swedish uh cops that were vacationing mm-hmm. in New York City yeah. Yeah. and it was huge news in you know in the US that uh they they were able to kind of uh stop this conflict this fight from happening on the subway and do it in a peaceful way huge news in the u.s yeah. you know in Sweden back in Sweden they're like oh yeah that's kind of what's yeah. supposed to happen yeah I was on the subway and I don't know
0: oh, what yeah. the... They, they were just talking them down there was two guys ready to get into it and they just kind of got them separated and
1: I just, think they were holding just, them on the on the yeah, ground had of the, yeah. and just, uh, and they said something like because they're so these guys these are cops on vacation in the states and they're you know solving conflict and then they when the the American cops showed up they were just like okay we we uh, apprehended the suspects, and we've been holding them. And and uh, for you guys, and no one got hurt, and it was a pretty funny story, actually. So
2: yeah, there are there are systems that you know I think that can be you know just, and it's and there are people who can be just and have a conscience and and act appropriately, but you know in the U.S. it's just that. It's 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 a whole it's the whole system is corrupt mm-hmm. and and backwards and it, there's it, it's just kind of rotten at the core. You know, of course there can be good cops, mm-hmm. but really it's the
1: system that's just completely tarnished. And, yeah. and then, like you were saying, Carolyn, that puts the the potential good cops or the actual good cops in a in an impossible situation. Yeah. Because that. The, the situation that they find themselves in goes totally against their values, and what they know is right, what they know should be the way mm-hmm. things are done. The older ones. The older ones. And then they might just totally lose heart and and leave the force. Mm-hmm. And that that just makes things worse. Mm-hmm. You get rid of like the one cop that might have been a good influence yeah. in yeah. not only other cops' lives, but in the ordinary citizens' lives. And I just think that that's... A, a striking um, similarity to something that Lobachevsky said in political ponderology. And he was describing the process of, of the, the ponderization of political groups. So the, the process by which political groups uh, become corrupted and turned into these basically agents of um, pathological domination in a country. And what often happens is a political movement will start out with with ideals and values that resonate with a large percentage of the population because they are genuine grievances or, um, or genuine, maybe flawed, but at least, um, at least ideas that, that go in the right direction of social reforms and things like that. And so you've got a whole bunch of people that really believe in what's going on and believe in the change that, that uh, might be coming. And as more pathologicals gain influence and dominance in these organizations, that becomes that language. Those ideals just become words. Um, the slogans to get people to, to give you support while you're meanwhile moving in a totally different direction. Yeah. And that over the months and over the years, that becomes clearer and clearer to the people in that organization. And that's where you get this split. So you get the guys in there, the, the pathological. Thugs that just want power and they see what's really going on. They say, Okay, yeah, I'm I can be a part of this because I want what's coming mm-hmm. and you know, I'm gonna get it because I'm better than everyone else. And then you have the the group that sees what's happening and says, Well this is you know, this isn't what I signed up for. This is totally going against what you know, the true values of this organization or this party. The goals that we had. Yeah. And so then they end up leaving or they end up trying to do something and getting killed.
2: Well, it's interesting that Lopacheski specifically mentions that police officers, you know, mm-hmm. the the infection, you know, it's far it's far and wide reaching and you know affects everybody right down to you know the, the police village officer. headman. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> the yeah. village headman. And also that the dumbing down of it that mm-hmm. eventually in order to for a, a pathological structure to have domination that it has to infest and that's the word. It has to infest society from top to bottom. And since it does tend to select for the less intelligent, mm-hmm. then that's almost the seeds of its own destruction. But there's a lot of mayhem along the way.
2: Mm-hmm. And then you have the police officers specifically selecting you know, the dumbed down ones <laughs> right. who are, you know, very well could be the most uh, uh, affected by, you know, this polarization process. Oh
0: yeah. And so it's, it's, it's like a st- self-stoking cycle. Interesting ab- about the law too, uh, early on in polar, um, Lobachevsky kind of had a little run at the the idea of that Western society, and correct me if I've got this mm-hmm. kind of funky, was an amalgamation of Christian values and Roman law.
1: Yeah, Greek, Greek ideas. Greek
0: ideals. Yeah. and But the Roman law, and there was a saying in Latin, and it translated that the law may be harsh, but it is the law. And that's kind of what we're seeing here.
1: Dura lex sed lex.
0: Okay. <laughs> There you go.
2: But when it comes down to it, they're not really even heeding the law. You know, they're yeah. they're not, mm-hmm. they're not, it doesn't apply to them.
0: Or they put the most twisted interpretation right. on it, which is, you know, how you get a baby being, you know, blamed for being in the wrong place at the wrong time.
1: Because, so, so you ignore the law when it's not convenient, and then you, you lose, the, you use the law in the most absurd ways possible when mm-hmm. it's convenient.
2: Right. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So... Honorization once again, just what you call it.
1: Another story involving a child in Palm Beach County, Palm Beach County in Florida. This has been a story that's been going on for a while. It involves a Florida mother, Heather Hieronymus, and she was jailed for a week recently after hiding out with her child, her son, for months after a protracted court fight to block the circumcision of her boy. And so father was fighting for getting the boy circumcised. He's four, four years old.
2: Which is pretty crazy in itself. Yeah. I mean, four years old. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy at any age, mm-hmm. this, this genital mutilation. That's, no,
0: that's what it is.
1: And so she was held for a week. Um, and she, after which she did consent to the procedure, so she consented to the circumcision after the judge ordered her to remain jailed until she signed it. And so she is still facing charges of interference with child custody and so she has agreed to to get her her child psych- circumcised.
0: What kind of guy pursues a lawsuit to make this happen?
1: Apparently and it apparently it wasn't for religious reasons either and uh, Seriously? Yeah. Oh my god and then so not only what kind of a father would do that but then what kind of a a judge and right. a, would back it up would back it up and so so basically this woman was obviously you know she was hiding out from her child because the child's father wanted to mutilate the child's genitals and the court backed up his side of this <laughs> so i mean talk about getting it completely backwards
2: Yeah, you would think that in a normal society, if if somebody wants to mutilate a child, that that person would be imprisoned. Yeah. But But no. In the U.S., it's the other
1: way around. Let's just...
2: Wow. She was
0: in shackles, too, wasn't she?
1: I I don't know. I think so. Probably.
0: Yeah, so you're in jail for a week, separated from your kid, and you are chained. Oh, that's a whole lot of choice there. And you will stay this way until you agree.
2: She's, she must be pretty dangerous wanting to, you know, protect her son. Oh, God, yeah. Mm.
1: Well, but uh, then again, maybe it kind of makes sense because there's another story. Um, you know, I was looking at stories all week, and there were just a ton of them from this week. And then yesterday, uh, we put up just a whole bunch more at SOT. So it's, it's, it's hard to keep track of how many of these stories there are. But uh, there's this one. Let me read the headline of this. Multiple officers charged with possession of child porn one accused of raping a child, and they are still working in New Orleans. So, did you guys read this story? Do you know a bit of the background on this one?
2: Um, Just Yeah, I just saw basically the same as you. You There is, you know, when when a citizen is found to have, you know, hundreds of images of child pornography, you know, and they're, well, I, I, I was going to say, you know, their, their charges are brought and they're jailed. Sometimes. But, you know, yeah, that's, that's sometimes. Unless you work for the defense department. Yeah. yeah. Or, or the police department, yeah. apparently, because this guy, uh, you know, there were, there were several involved and, uh yeah the, the one um, who was found to have, you know, all these images on his personal computer, uh, there were, you know, explicit photos of young children and, working uh, for the uh, this uh, police department, I think his position may have changed, but you know th- th- these are our you know uh, public service uh, agents and this is who we have
1: protecting people. yeah he was initially initially suspended and then returned to work as normal, uh, working in fleet management at the New Orleans Police Department headquarters. So that's that's ridiculous. And then um, this
0: any charges?
1: No, not yet. Doesn't look like it. And then this news organization it looks like uh, WDSU. I'm assuming they're a news organization. uh, They found more than a half dozen officers charged with everything from child porn to the state's most serious sexual assault charge, aggravated rape. New Orleans police officer Michael Thomasy was another one. Thomasy was accused and arrested on charges of aggravated rape over a year ago. However, when the investigators went to New Orleans 4th District, they found Thomasy currently still working as a cop.
0: They can't be that short staffed.
1: No, I mean that's just, you know, when the when they all get together for coffee or donuts during or after work. It's just like, oh man, you know, these people getting on us again. I mean, this is what we do. I mean, it's the freedom that America gives us. I mean, this is a free country, right? We should be free to to rape and and watch child pornography. I mean, and then it's just kind of a minor nuisance that people find out about it and then think it's a bad thing. But yeah. for these guys, I mean, it's just totally normal. So you know, why should why should why should anyone care?
0: Well, you wonder. If this is frontline folk, how far up it goes that, you know, somebody has to sign off on them staying in their job. So up the line, who's signing off on what and why do they want to do it? Or are they made to do it? I mean, everybody must have stuff on everyone, you know, mm-hmm. like just this mutual, you know, everybody's got each other by the throat. So if you tell this, I'll tell you that. And that again is the essence of polarization.
2: Yeah. I'm sure if you dug into this, there'd be a whole lot more going on. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, to make this story even worse, the school children in New Orleans are forced to to write thank you letters to New Orleans police officers. Or what? I don't know. I didn't. I was too <sighs> grossed out. I didn't watch the video. But okay. But um, yeah. So so the kids, you know, write thank you letters to the police officers that are watching child porn and raping people. Mm. And that's again I mean it just makes sense though because cause this is America and it is a free democratic country. And I mean what have we been, what have Americans been fighting for all these years if not for their freedom to get away with child porn and acts like rape? I mean that's just the definition of freedom apparently. Mm. That's the only conclusion I can come to.
2: Well, it kind of ties into, you know, the show that we did uh, a few weeks ago with, uh, Tammy, uh, mm-hmm. Steph- Stefano, Stefano, mm-hmm. and, you know, just how, um, far reaching these, you know, these, uh, pedophiles in power are and, you know, how far up they go. And, you know, they're, these are the, the wealthy elite. And, you know, when we think about the police force, we think of them as you know protecting us, but really, that's what they're. That's what traditionally that the police have been for. You know, historically, they've been created to protect the the uh, property of you know yeah. the landowners. Yeah, that
0: that's, was their original function. Was to if I, I read some history of policing, and originally they were groups organized to protect the warehouses, to protect the merchant goods, and this whole idea of. of service to the populace never even entered into it.
1: So, well they're doing a good job. They are. And even better than their forebears. Uh, another story from from Cincinnati, Ohio. Again, May 15th last week. Officers were called to the 6000 block of Hamilton's Avenue in Cincinnati. And the details, there's not a lot of details of what happened, but uh, the witnesses that were interviewed about what went down here, said that there was a guy on his skateboard, a black man, riding his skateboard, who was then shot nine times. Uh, his name was Cameron Starr. And he was 30 years old, and he was pronounced dead at the scene. So, and that's, you know, those are the only details, but this guy was riding his skateboard. Presumably, he, he wasn't uh, riding his skateboard in, in an aggressive fashion, you know, maybe doing some kind of Hollywood superhero move, you know, riding a skateboard and firing off, you know, his laser gun gun from both hands. I mean, this guy was just riding a skateboard and then was just shot nine times and killed. Yeah, he was, he was unarmed.
2: And, you know, even eyewitnesses at the scene, you know, say he was no threat. Uh, But the police department, they, they won't, they won't, mom's the word, you know, Mm -hmm. they won't say a word about, you know, what, what happened. There's no release of any information whatsoever. Wow.
1: And then the same week in Hollywood. This kind of, this is the story that's kind of similar to the the Dr. Bogwam Bong story. Just involving a, uh pulling over some cars. So Hollywood police stopped a funeral procession. This was uh over a hundred cars were involved in this funeral procession. They had a police escort But this other police officer apparently, you know, didn't think that was good enough. So he saw these cars driving too slowly. So he pulled them all over, you know, all 100 cars. And one of the family members said, you know, I'm looking and I'm seeing the car my mom was in on the side of the freeway, too. Uh, That was embarrassing. She said that the actions of the CHP cop were outrageous and he showed no compassion. A lot of family members did not end up making it to the gravesite. We sat on the freeway so long they had to go on. I saw some of them drive past. So the family um, has retained an attorney. Uh, They're demanding a public apology. And the lawyer that they got admits that the officer had complete discretion to pull over the traffic escort. But he said that the incident was handled poorly and caused uh, the family tremendous emotional distress. Understandably, it the boundaries of all human decency, said family attorney Edward Ramsey. An officer has the discretion to stop or not stop a funeral procession. If it was me, I would have probably escorted this procession to the burial.
2: Well, it's insane when—so so this funeral procession was going slow— and he pulled them over for going too slow. So Which what, is what, what happens when when you pull over a hundred cars on the, on the freeway.
0: Well, not only that, you said they had an escort. They had an escort. Where was the yeah. escort?
2: He, he was at the, of the
1: front of the line.
0: <laughs> yeah. So he just went on.
1: Well, I don't he know. Just,
0: if, I mean, oh, it's I don't just, know if
1: the details weren't clear if he had if some of the cars had, you know, had pulled ahead, had gotten through, and he just started, you know, halfway through the procession or something. Oh, Lord. But the the impression I got is that it was obvious that they had a, a police escort, and uh-huh. this guy just uh-huh. thought, well, yeah. you know, I'm going to have some fun today. Yeah, exactly, because
2: there's no, there's no rational reason for doing that, because obviously you're going to be causing you know even more obstruction along the along the highway. Yeah. You know, once if if there's one car that's pulled over, you know, that slows up that slows up yeah. things enough. When yeah. you pull over a whole funeral procession, that's just going to create, you know, incredible
1: amount of uh just blockages and and you know, news flash to this idiot police officer, funeral processions drive slowly. Yes. It's
2: normal. It's what happens. Well, what we're seeing is kind of uh you know, all aspects of, uh, human traditions, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, funerals where, you know, we can, you know, express some of our, you know, humanness and, uh, whether it's relating to that or, uh, these, you know, uh, uh a woman giving birth, mm-hmm. yep. you know, all these things about being human are, are being attacked basically. A doctor know, trying
1: that. to save a baby's life. Exactly. Yeah. And the the woman, the pregnant woman who was punched, I mean, defending a, what I consider a, an entrenched human right, you know, the right to laugh at a stupid police officer. I mean.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Nonsense.
0: It's just, it boils down to the exercise of power.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I have power and I can use it in anywhere and wherever I feel like, mm-hmm. whenever I feel like it.
2: Yep. So. Well, it would be nice to say that this was purely a phenomenon that we see in the United States, but it's it's clearly not the case. Uh, we're we've, there was a couple of stories from Germany uh, this past uh, week as well. Germany, who just so happens to be. A big American
1: puppet. Yeah, exactly. So
2: you know, you kind of see, you know, some some tie in with uh, Western values, you know, infiltrating and uh, infecting the uh, the law enforcement there as well. So uh, the one story was that police shoot a German pensioner who refused to be admitted to a clinic. So here's this seventy uh, year old, seventy four year old man, uh, and he ended up in a gun battle with officers. Um, well, they were trying to basically force him to get care, and he didn't want it. And he had uh, he had a legal firearm, and he said, "You know, if you try to take me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come out shooting." And and he did, and they killed him. And you know, here's here what what is this rationale? You know that we're gonna you better let
1: us take care of you, or we're gonna kill you. <laughs> You better let let us help you.
0: Otherwise, you will be a threat to the public. Wow.
1: Then the other story in Germany. Unless you had more to say on that one. No. So, a recent story broke in Germany. Prosecutors in Hanover are looking into accusations that federal police are involved in torturing migrants. And then documenting these acts of torture in uh, on their mobile, in mobile phone photos, text messages. There were two incidents at a station in Lower Saxony, one of which included beating uh, beating the men and force-feeding one with rotten pork, a forbidden food in Islam, because these are Muslim mm-hmm. migrants. And so pork is forbidden in Islam, um, even if it's fresh. And they forced uh, forced one of these, at least one of these men to eat rotten pork, now, when I read this, this just kind of rang a bell for me because uh, when you think back a couple thousand years to uh, the history of Judaism, because Jews don't eat a pork either, and one of the one of the books um, included in some Bibles is, are the book uh, the books of Maccabees, and apparently, what had happened back then, you know, it's hard to know because there's the you can't really rely on. Most, if any, biblical books for accurate history, but the at least in their legends and the the stories that got passed down in like the two hundred years before Christianity started, there was this big idea and this big um, kind of worldview for Jews at the time that first of all that the kind of the the nations and foreign rulers were ruling over them, and that was a bad thing, and then God would come and there'd be a final war and and God would you know send in his angels to help them win the war, and what had started this one of the things that had started this was exactly an inc- an incident like this of the foreigners the the foreign kings forcing certain Jews to eat pork mm-hmm. and this was just an outrage, and it prompted this revolutionary fever for two hundred years. Uh, to the point, you know, which led to the to the revolts in in, in Jerusalem, and uh, so in seventy A.D. the burning of the tem of the temple, the storming of Jerusalem, and then later on the Bar Kokhba revolt. Yep. that's this is one of the one of the 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 types of events that kind of that Jews at the time saw as as producing this, and it prompted this revolutionary. Uh, mindset and behavior and so i just thought that you know even if those stories weren't true because who knows we can't tell this is happening now and it, rather than jews it's happening to muslims and we've pointed out this you know several times that this is this is a pattern and it looks like history is repeating in a particularly egregious way and uh, so well i just found that pretty disgusting mm. And that was just one of the cases, one of the stories in Germany um, with these torture incidents. And another one, this happened in March 2014, so just over a year ago, one of the officers allegedly tried to choke a refugee from Afghanistan after dragging him through the police station by his feet shackles. And then he shared the details of this assault with a colleague, or with colleagues uh, via the mobile messenger WhatsApp. Um, So this is what he said, translated. I locked him, I knocked him away an afghan with prohibited entry to Germany. I stuck my finger in his nose and he choked. It was funny. And I dragged him by the foot shackles through the station. It was great. He squealed like a pig. It was a gift from Allah.
2: Charming. Charming. I mean, how how galling is it that you know these these people post these things, you know, social media and mm-hmm. like, and they're they're proud of them. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and it kind of reminds me of the uh that case and I think it was a Steppenville Steppenville is a there was a young young girl who was you know, raped by uh, this community mm-hmm. uh, of you know these football players and mm. and afterwards you know they were all on Twitter you know just gleefully uh, talking about it and bragging yeah yeah um, it's almost
0: this undercurrent of one-upmanship here mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you kind of wonder what the larger pattern is because, I mean, if, if you take the Maccabees, you know, true or not, as a, as a pattern, it's almost, you know, almost hurting the population into a place where they'll have no other course but to fight back.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and, and going all conspiratorial here, is that on purpose, you know, or yeah. just, just the way things go? You know, just, just this repeating pattern of history because nobody seems to, to learn,
1: mm-hmm. you know. Well, another crazy headline, lawsuit, guards at Rikers allowed to rape inmates with consent from city officials. Now, this is in New York. And
0: Cons- consent, it says consent.
1: Well, that's the, that's the headline, but of course, uh-huh. that's the, that's the true headline. Uh-huh. What what's actually going on? You know, there's layers of of uh, diversion and excuse making, but this is at Riker's Prison in New York, and this is apparently a a pretty not- notorious prison for uh, sexual assault. Up to six percent of female in- inmates there report that they were they are or were sexually assaulted by prison staff. And so um, this is according to so a lawsuit was filed just this week. That, um, so the women that filed this lawsuit, uh, wish to remain anonymous and they say they were both raped on multiple occasions by the same corrections officer, uh, Benny Santiago said that, says that he and eight other corrections officers were involved in raping women at prison on a regular basis. In one case, one of the inmates even got pregnant. They're seeking damages from Santiago as well as the department of corrections, uh, as well as for an overhaul of the Department of Corrections policy and from what they call a culture of systemic rape. So uh, he abused the women allegedly in unrestricted areas that were not monitored by security cameras. And after the supervisory rounds had taken place and this happened at the same time, uh, every time it happened. But they say that after reporting the assaults to the staff of the prison, Um, one of the plaintiffs was told that nothing could be done. And so the lawsuit says, this abuse is only possible because in the face of repeated warnings, the city of New York has enabled a culture of complacency to to perpetuate at Rikers Island and thereby consented to the abuse of women in its society. Mm. So it's not like there's any kind of official consent. This is just, you know, actual consent without... Without calling it that. Yeah. And because of the policies that they have, they
2: allow this, this kind of abuse to continue and you know happen over and over and over again. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, if you're in prison, you probably deserve it.
1: Mm-hmm. Another story. So this is uh, another one that's in the news now. Old story uh, from 2013, again in New York. Um, this involves testimony from... Rosalind Ng, and um, she's the wife of a man who was beat by two undercover police officers in New York. They were in an SUV, and this, I don't know all the details that led up to this, but apparently this, some kind of biker gang, or group of bikers, for for whatever reason, um, just like assaulted this this couple in this SUV.
2: Well, I think, I think that what happened was, so there is this biker gang and the, um, the man who was taken out and beaten in the car. Uh, previously he had like a, a fender bender with, mm-hmm. with, a, oh, one, okay. of the, one of the motorcycles that was in front of him. And, you know, I think it was, you know, it was very slight. Uh, but then, you know, they, they were basically surrounding him mm-hmm. and he, he tried, he sped up and tried to get away and ran over one of the bikes and one of the guys on it, mm. and so then they caught up to him and they were banging on uh, the windows, smashing the windows, and they pulled they pulled open the driver's side, pulled him out, beat him. Um, you know he he sustained uh, permanent injuries, and uh, he was in you know he was in the hospital for months. And but the cure is that. One of the one of these biker dudes uh, was uh, undercover cop who had previously uh, had a, a stint in uh, Occupy Wall Street, trying to you know subvert uh, things there. Mm-hmm.
1: I think it was was it two officers? I think two of the guys were were undercover.
2: Yeah, that that part wasn't wasn't clear to me. I, I tried looking that up because um, they name they named the officer, and then there's also a co defendant.
1: Yeah, and um, so they so while this was happening, just to give you more detail on the the actual assault, so the man's wife was in the car crying for help. They also had their infant child in the back seat, and so she is yelling out repeatedly uh, to the men, "What's you know?" They're they're stomping and kicking the guy, and she's yelling out, "You know, I've got a an infant in the back seat. Stop this." And so, what happened just recently is that video footage was released of this taking place. One of the bikers uh, was wearing a GoPro helmet, and so the footage from his camera has been released. You know, it was two years later, and so yeah, it's it's come out that one of these, at least one of these guys, uh, possibly two, was an undercover police officer, and he was one of the guys beating the crap out of this guy on the video. <laughs> and so now, first of all, it's revealed that he was undercover. And second, that he had previously done undercover work at the Occupy movement and during the protests there. And the the, the the official explanation for why he engaged in this and didn't do anything to try to stop it was that he needed to pre- to preserve his deep cover. So this is one case where, you know, the police officer, is in a, he's undercover, and so I guess he's got to just, you know... Beat up uh, another civilian just in in order to establish his yeah. his cover.
0: So how many guys were standing? Why couldn't he be standing around? Yeah, you know, at least
1: no,
2: because because uh, you see, he needs to really get into his his cover.
1: Yeah, okay. because you know, just guys, red. if you want if you want to go if you want to carry a gun around and have license to just beat people and kill people, mm-hmm. you join the police force. And if you want to just get an extra action, then you go undercover. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this guy was probably just doing what he wanted to do. Well, that, that's kind of similar to
2: there is a story in Hawaii with uh, so historically years ago, uh, officers were allowed to go into, um you know, massage parlors slash um, prostitution uh, houses and and engage in sexual activity uh, and then arrest
0: gathering evidence. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Uh, and then uh, uh, the the sex worker, and but so eventually, you know, the the community was up in arms about that. So they passed some laws saying no, they couldn't they couldn't actually have sex with the prostitutes. They just had to have a exchange where, uh, you know, a, a certain amount was going to be paid for for services. And so since that's been passed, uh, these uh, cops have been going in and. Basically assaulting these workers by forcing them to to touch them, and and so so now there's there's a, a, a suit against the the these Hawaiian officers and or actually or I'm not sure if it's a countersuit where they're charging the prostitutes with sexual assault. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: what yeah. it was. They're charging this charging the process oh, with or, sexual assault for things that they were forcing them to do. Exactly.
0: Did the word entrapment ever get mentioned anywhere along uh, this?
1: Well, entrapment is another one of those long-held American freedoms for for police officers Yeah, and the FBI. I mean, yeah. We've It's so handy. Again, just to to change topic slightly, you know, to the FBI, we've talked repeatedly about uh terrorism in in the United States and how a huge percentage of every, you know, terrorist case in the past fifteen years has been a result of FBI entrapment. So what the FBI does is the FBI radicalizes a young Muslim youth and then sets up a, a terrorist operation, you know, builds some bombs, buys some weapons, gives these kids some money, and then arrests them for the terrorist attack that they were trying to create. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's just another American freedom. Right. But in all seriousness, I think that the FBI should, you know, every officer involved in any of these cases, they should be charged with uh, terror charges of terrorism mm-hmm. because they're the ones that radicalize these youths and they're the ones that plan these uh, terrorists and plots. fund it and, and they and fund, and they and fund they it. And yeah, and so the, these are weapons. these are the real Muslim terrorists in the in the United States. I mean, they're the only visible ones, the only ones that we can find, right. and they just happen to be working for the FBI. So I think that yeah. Muslim terrorism is a huge problem in the world and some of the biggest perpetrators are in the FBI. So I think they should all be arrested and locked up. Well, you can see
2: it on all levels of, you know, law enforcement, whether it's FBI or, you know, cops, these, they're all, these are this, this is the source of, uh, you know, all this, uh,
1: terror and horror that's happening. Well, that, that brings us to another story. This one in Chicago Involving, uh, Holman Square, which we talked about last time we were talking about the police. So Holman Square is this kind of like, uh, domestic black site mm-hmm. that the police use that just, you know, happens to resemble places like Abu Ghraib. And so this, this story happened in October 2012, it involves a man named Angel Perez. He was targeted by police because they thought he might knew what he might know a drug dealer. And so they wanted to involve this guy in a sting operation against this guy that this guy might know. And so Perez agreed to a meet with the police officers at a restaurant. So they meet at the restaurant where they cuff him and, you know, take him into custody and take him to Homeland Square. There's footage of him taking him into the facility, taking him into, uh, you know, behind this closed door where they have.
0: And um, this is a place they can lose you without paperwork yeah. for weeks on end if they want.
1: Yeah. And so they, there's footage of him going in and going out. Now, what Perez says happens is that they shackled him. Uh, they taunted him in this cell. There are a bunch of officers. Um, they threatened to go after his family. Threatened to uh, to plant evidence on them to to get them you know arrested for bogus charges. This guy's father was uh, sick with cancer at the time, and then. There's a video of of Perez, you know, recounting what what happened. He says that at one point they kind of had him on the floor and they had his kind of, his face pushed up against the the kind of seat where they the seat that's in the room. And the guy had pulled up his 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 uh, his shirt and was just kind of gently stroking something that was that felt like cold metal on his back. And so Perez didn't know what it was, but thought it was a gun. And so then this cop just started saying, well, you can watch the, you can search for the article and, and watch watch the video to hear the things he, he was saying. But, uh, you know, needless to say, it was uh, sexually explicit and um, insulting, humiliating. And then the, you know, after after this game that this cop was playing with him, he inserted whatever this object was into this guy's anus. And <clears throat> So at this point, Perez freaked out and he was like, you know, he just lost control of himself. He couldn't talk. He was moving around because he'd just been violated extremely. And at that point, you know, after the threats, after this rape, he finally, he agreed to it. He said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll be part of the sting operation. And so now, uh, so now he's come forward with this and, uh, filing suit, I believe. He said that, uh, just to quote one of the things that he'd said, he said he he jammed it in there, and I started jerking and going all crazy. Went into full pull, full blown panic mode. The damage it caused it pretty much swelled up my rear my rear end like a like a baboon's butt. That's how we described it. And so yeah, he he was yeah, well. You know what else can you say about this? I mean, yeah.
2: And these aren't like isolated incidences. No. There's a just a about a month ago uh there's another story of uh the Chile uh, chief police chief of police in chicago who um had been he had like a organized and you know systematic uh uh plan to torture uh these men as as they came in to get confessions and mm-hmm. know, he's using uh Electric, electric, use electrocuting them and uh, torturing them in all sorts of ways. And so, you know, this, this isn't just a thing that's, you know, happens every once in a while. You know, we're Not seeing more and more.
1: A bad apple. Yeah, exactly. And like this guy, Angel Perez, he didn't even do anything. The cops thought he might know a drug dealer, so they wanted to get him to be an informant and in, in, engage in this sting operation. So they take him to this black site in Chicago, torture him. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what to say about that. It's.
0: Well, it's just what's been being done overseas mm -hmm. for two decades now is finally coming home. It's finally coming home.
1: Well, apparently, according to David Cruikshank. He is a Connecticut police officer and the CEO of the Law Enforcement Research Group. He had this to say recently: um, "Officers are complaining that anti-cop sentiments are killing their morale." So I'm just going to read some of the things that that he had to say. This is from a Fox News story. They interviewed this guy. Police throughout the Police throughout the nation say they fear a growing anti-cop sentiment driven by a handful of of racially charged incidents in making their jobs more dangerous, is making their jobs more dangerous on the streets, where the number of officers killed in the line of duty is rising sharply. No mention of the number of people killed by the police rising sharply.
2: It's like 400 in 2015. Yeah.
1: High profile cases involving police and black suspects from Missouri to Baltimore have prompted intense criticism of law enforcement from not only activists in the media but even the White House, leaving law enforcement agent, or law enforcement officers alienated and angry say cop advocates and the protests, rioting and federal investigations come even as the job of keeping Americans safe has become more dangerous. <laughs> Uh, okay, I think we can just laugh at that and move on. Mm-hmm. So, Crookshank said that Crookshank uh, and other law enforcement advocates worry that what they see as an anti-cop climate is killing morale in police departments of every size.
2: Now, you would think that that might be cause to you know question why. Yeah. Uh-huh. Why, why is there this anti-cop sentiment? Yep.
1: Yeah. You know, maybe it has That's something to question.
0: do. Might be worth asking.
1: <laughs> it's demoralizing to read about the misguided anti-cop gibberish spewing from those who take their freedoms for granted.
0: <laughs> no irony there. <laughs> oh,
1: uh, uh, Okay, yeah.
0: It's just this uh, ability to, to kind of bifurcate your mind and, and shut out half of the reality of, you know, action consequence is is breathtaking actually.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, well, you got to feel for all those cops. I mean, it's got to, you know, it's got to hurt, you know, on a deep emotional level level that everyone hates you for being, you know, corrupt, violent, murderous, murderous, um, you know, rapists mm-hmm. who look at child porn and, yeah. you know, assault children. And I mean, it's, it's got to hurt. <laughs> it's, that's tough. It's a tough life. When you, when, you know, people don't like you for being a total jerk.
2: Well, it's kind of, you know, this relates a lot to just the uh, things that you see about the anti-American sentiment, and you know, uh, they hate us for our freedoms, you know, type thing and, you know, just uh, how uh, entrenched that is and, you know isn't this a reason to maybe reflect on you know where society's at and you know what our role is in, in all this and uh you don't you don't really see you know any of those questions uh being posed no. which is really really bizarre.
0: Mm-hmm. How about something more basic like no I hate you because you destroyed my house. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know that's pretty much it. You know or my livelihood or my child. <clears throat> Just uh you know, there's there's actually some real reasons we hate you.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and it's totally understandable and justified. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, so again, going back to the common sense response, any person with a, an iota of common sense, you know, working for the police department would say, okay, people hate us. Why you know might they hate us? Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I think I've got a few ideas. I'm not sure, but, you know, let's just tech, t- test this out for a second and see. Maybe it's because we just kill people on the streets for no reason. That might have something to do with it. Maybe it's the fact that we always cover up for each other whenever something like this happens. We, yeah, you know, we.
0: That's, that's a nice theory. I mean, we should do a hypothesis. Should mm-hmm. should give that some some thought.
1: We take bribes. We're involved in. Yeah. In drug operations, we work with criminals. We take money from perhaps politicians and cover certain things up that they don't like or wouldn't like exposed. We refuse to go after big criminals and instead we focus on the the tiny guys on the street. Yep. Well, that's that's the thing too, you know, they,
2: there is that um that approach to crime where everything, you know, starts from the bottom and then you know they, they don't they don't dare you know look upwards mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. All, all the criminal elements of society are are you know the the poor and uh, you know it, petty crimes and drug use and you know and all those things and you know wouldn't it be amazing if a uh, police a police force was actually dedicated to you know the serious crimes that mm-hmm. you know we talk about on a weekly basis here mm-hmm. But, you know, there, there's there's really no institution that really does that.
0: Or no incentive to either. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, you know, it's much easier, you know, some guy skateboarding down a road than to indict a judge or a mm-hmm. senator. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, you know, the, you, you'll never make it stick. I mean, so maybe you can make a case for the tiny percentage of cops who would like to do something like that. Who know it should be done and know that it will never happen, just because the there's no will there and 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 the whole system is so intertwinedly corrupt that even if you do kick at one part of the beast it's mm-hmm. it's not going to affect the whole thing you know it just you just need mm-hmm. to tear the tear the whole thing down and start over. I'm not even sure that would work
1: <sighs> well, I've got one more cop story. This is another story that's in the news again that happened um, a while ago. This involved uh, Alicia Thomas. She was kicked to death by an LAPD cop. And so this officer is now on trial. He kicked her to death and was recorded on a dash cam saying, I'm not going to quote it all. um, He uses a a word to refer to uh, female genitalia. He says, I'm going to punch you in your blank. These words, uh, the officer was Mary O'Callaghan, and she they, she said these to, to Thomas when she was handcuffed and her legs were restrained. So the video, there was a video released. It clearly shows Thomas getting punched in the throat as well as kicked in the groin over and over by all, Officer O'Callaghan. So the video surfaced uh, nearly three years ago. And... Um, So Thomas is seen with a nylon restraint, saying, I can't, over and over. The video showed O'Callaghan raise her boot and strike Thomas, whose body shook in response. A few minutes later, Thomas' eyes closed and her head fell backward. Uh, The recording was then shut off. Uh, She died at the hospital that evening. And the video has just been released of this happening, apparently. I didn't watch it. So...
0: You know the the awful thing is too is you can have these videos and they still get off. Yeah, I mean it's that's that's the part that that just boggles is you can have the you know the whole argument for body cams is that'll keep everybody honest and keep keep the interactions thing, and it's it's like they don't care because like like they know it's not going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. You can be mm-hmm. caught mm-hmm. red handed if you will, and you'll still get off. Like
2: ah hmm. Huh. <laughs>
1: Well, this is just part of a wider, it's one symptom of a wider disease in American society, as we've said a few times on the show so far today. There's another story that doesn't have anything to do with the police, but I think it is analogous. It fits into the same worldview and mindset. This is about an Ohio teacher who was recently fired for public humiliation, after scolding a student, bullying another ch- uh, child or other children. So this happened in Glen Oak Elementary School, um, To and the, the woman involved was, uh, last name was Lamire. She was a teacher, so she, there was this kid um, in her class that was blowing mucus on other children, swearing, pushing around other kids, and so she'd asked the class, and she told this student in the class, she said, do you realize how your words and actions are hurting your friends? According to LeMeyer, those are the words that, uh, that got her into, into trouble. So the board, uh, the board of the school basically uh, terminated her contract uh, without pay, or uh, she, was le- she was suspended without pay pending final termination of her contract. And so at the meeting, uh, you know, there was just outrage from several people who were supporting her, uh, but the, vo- the board voted this. And uh, so according to the, the board, she had uh, basically, so she humiliated this kid. Um, she had asked him why, to other students, to say why, the, why this bully was annoying and had no friends. They said that she said, um, no, they, they said that she had missed deadlines and had poor so These were all that she was being fired. Uh, and then she she has come out saying, no, this is all because of that one sentence that I said, do you realize how your words and actions are hurting your friends? So this woman, this teacher, is being fired for calling out a school bully in front of his classmates. And so they're saying Even her supporters were saying, oh, she didn't shame this child. Well, you know, we talked about shame Mm -hmm. in a previous episode. This kid should have been shamed. Absolutely. Because his his behaviors were totally irresponsible and cruel and not conducive to any kind of... uh, you know, like civil society. Civil society. Like it's just
0: that's that's the real use of shame. I mean, when it's properly used, is is to you know, it can be misused, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But that is that human human emotion that lets you know that you have done wrong.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? to say, and, hey, you're being a jerk. You're being
0: <laughs> yeah. a jerk, and and if you want to be part of this social group, you can't behave that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, properly used it. I mean, we all remember being, you know, our moms or whoever shaming us for something that was legitimate. We were being a jerk. We were mm-hmm. being a little horror. And, you know, but I think that that whole thing, then, you know, the flip side of that would be the whole self-esteem movement. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, my God, yeah. we've damaged this child's self-esteem. Mm-hmm. So he feels free to to abuse his Fellow students,
2: well, it kind of ties into this whole social norm that you know we can't talk bad about other people, yeah, and you know we can't bring up uh, our our grievances and 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 talk about it, yeah. You know, we're we're just meant to kind of turn the other cheek, you know, type of thing, and um, and you know, brush it under the rug, and and we never really learn, you know, how to you know express when somebody you know has has done something messed up. Mm-hmm. To say, hey, you know, this is messed up, and and this is and this is why, and this is how it, you know, affected me.
1: It's another American freedom, because well, I th- I think that the the yeah, idea freedom of of, of bullying exactly, and yeah. I think that's that's the reality behind the the code word or the slogan freedom and democracy, because when you get down to it, what it really means is just free license the 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 license to be able to do whatever you want no matter how harmful it is to society or anyone else and how socially irresponsible it is it's just that should be a, a freedom that people have and it is at root psychopathic mm-hmm. and so we see this like in the school uh, in this school and hundreds thousands of other schools police departments everywhere we see this mentality where oh, you know, this kid, you can't shame him for just expressing his freedom because that's really, that's really what the narrative is. This mm-hmm. kid was just just doing, you know, whatever. He should be
0: free. He, he should be do free so.
1: to do it. They wouldn't say it in those words, but that's what it comes down to, mm-hmm. that it's not, he wasn't the problem. It was the shaming him that was the problem. It was the pointing out that what he was doing was wrong and irresponsible and, and mean. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've got in police departments. So, I mean, do we want to shame these police officers for simply doing what they've got to do? I mean, they've got tough jobs. It's a, it's a tough job protecting the freedoms of, of Americans. So let's cut these guys some slack when the <laughs> – it's a total
2: so – It's totally backwards. It's and, totally
1: backwards. And,
2: and it, it's a, a protection of pathology. You know, that, that's what yeah. they're protecting. And, you know, we cover, we're covering all these stories, um, you know, to, to look at the way things are, um, in the West and it makes you wonder, you know, what other, you know, what other possibilities could there be? And is there, you know, is there a different way of doing things? And, uh, I don't know if, uh, any of y'all caught it, but, you know, there's, um, there was an excellent documentary, uh, up on SOT, um, called, uh, president and, you know, it covers, um, you know, the Putin's presidency and, you know, when we're looking at his approach, it's completely foreign to, you know, what we're seeing uh, in the United States. It's a completely different way of being the attitude of, um, just the idea of actually being uh, a servant to the people and serving mm-hmm. the the good of the country—it it just really comes across so strongly uh, in this documentary, and it's and it, there is um, I'm also reminded of uh, a news story from earlier in the month. Um, because earlier we were talking about, you know, wouldn't it be nice if there was actually, you know, uh, uh, an institution or, or, you know, some way of kind of, you know, removing these, you know, these corrupt people. And earlier in the month, um, uh, I think it was around like May 8th, uh, Putin, he, he started, he was cleaning house.
0: Yeah, well, He fired 24 regional governors and, and people who had different kinds of, uh, positions of authority and just said, you're not, you're not doing your job. Goodbye.
2: <laughs> and, and we see that throughout, you know, his whole presidency. Yeah. And, you know, he, he's doing this routinely time and time again, he's like cleaning out all the, um, I don't know if he, uh, has a specific knowledge of pathology, but he certainly shows that, you know, he, he understands what it is at the core. Mm-hmm. And and, and he but removes that's, it. That's not democratic. Yeah. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah. He's he's uh, he's against the freedom of, uh, <laughs> of predators, and you know, he's removing them. And uh, it was interesting when he first came into power. You know, just how much he was doing that. Yep. And it wasn't just in uh, his uh, his own you know inner circle, but it was throughout it was throughout all of Russia.
0: Well, I, I think he's had to take that gradually. Um, the, the thing that I've found most amazing, uh, if anybody, you know, gets on the science page, we have the entire documentary. It's in eight parts. It is well worth to watch. But the thing that was so amazing is that I, by this virtue of this service and his ability to communicate this idea of service, he's kind of turning around this whole society that was just sinking into corruption because of the oligarchs and it was breaking up into regions and it was basically, if you don't get yours, you're not going to get. And that was, that was the oligarch mindset, you know, just filtering down right down to, to the basic level of society where, where, you know, even, even in some of the regions, 40 to 60% of the economy, the economy was actually black market. And he's gradually just through this consistency of action through this, this, Consistency of communication backed up by action that he's bringing the idea that t- to be a Russian citizen is to serve, is to contribute to this greater good, is that my good is your good, is your neighbor's good is, and it's amazing to watch. There's, there's such a, a, a hope now. And, you know, you hear about, oh, you know, there's all these people and they're still real unhappy with Putin and blah, blah, blah. And I think it's the people who know that they're going to lose out. Because, Which is a really
2: small minority. Too. Yeah, but
0: they're very loud. They're loud. They've but,
2: got some money to make themselves a little loud.
0: That's right. But but that this this spirit seems to be slowly infusing into the society. And, I mean, when it really takes hold, look out. They are. It's It'll be brilliant.
1: Well, so there's one clip uh it's become become kind of famous i think on the interwebs and they include it in the documentary and it's the one where there was it was during the financial crisis of 2008 i think and there was this one factory i don't know exactly what the actual business they were was but they were needless to say mismanaging poorly were paying weren't paying them, weren't paying them. I, And so, Putin flew in, and he gathered all these guys into this office. And
0: you ran (laughs) around like cockroaches when you heard I was coming.
1: Yeah, he shamed them. He called them out. He He shamed shamed them. them. (laughs) Got this one guy to to stand up. He's like, "Okay, now come here and sign this paper." This paper basically saying all the things he's going to start doing. And uh, and
0: he was the only one who he says he was reading down the page. I don't see your signature. Yeah. we should have Skype, you know, come up here and sign this.
1: Yeah. So he got him up there. He, he forced him to stand up, come over, sign the document. And and the guy had made off with his pen. So he said, okay, give me my pen back. (laughs) That was the funniest part. (laughs) But that's the kind of thing that we don't have in Western societies. We don't have a person that's in a position of power that can do anything like that. And if there is a person in that position, they're part of the problem because they just go along with it and think it's a great thing. And in this documentary, Putin and the you know the people they interview had talked about this and said that when Putin first came into power, he didn't have that power and he kind of had to to achieve it. And it, it was a long a long struggle because, like you were saying, Carolyn, like the, there was um, that like the regions pretty much governing themselves, they weren't very, very, fragmented. very fragmented, there wasn't a lot of cooperation or working together or just communication between all these different levels of, of authority. And now it's gotten to the point where, yeah, if someone's misbehaving and if someone isn't doing their social uh, duty and their their duty as a public servant, they can be fired for not doing that. Mm-hmm. We don't have that. And one of the yeah. things that Putin had said to this guy that didn't sign the the document, he says, "Where is your sense of social responsibility? Where is it? Mm-hmm. And who do we have saying that to these police officers with any real authority? Right. We don't have anyone. There's and no consequences, and there's no consequences. There's
2: no consequences. Instead, instead, they're you know even rewarded. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, it it did take time." and i think putin was very intelligent in that he he very quietly gathered people around him who feel the same way and and that kind of was a multiplier of his his view and his vision for russian society was to gather people who could multiply this influence through society But also, you know, to be able to do something to be seen effectively. I mean, within this document, there's a wonderful sequence where early on uh, when he was just coming to power and trying to figure out, you know, how he was going to make this all work. But he uh, because he says right at the front, I didn't have all the power, but there was a a situation in Siberia, poor region, far away, not much on anybody's mind. But uh, the heat had been off for months for whoever was managing the, the municipal areas there, had totally screwed up or had stolen all the money. Who knows? The heat had been off. The hospitals were cold. You know, little babushus are freezing in their apartments. And he took a look at this and, and said, this is absurd. And so at an extreme cost, uh, one of the commentators said, in, in terms of efficiency and, and money, this this was completely stupid to do, filled up a bunch of, of transport planes with with radiators
1: like iron radiators
0: iron radiators, I mean, God, just the weight flew them to Siberia, and at the same time in a, in another place not that far away, were ships full of coal that had been sold out of the country and he just looked at this and said, "What are you doing? This is crazy, so he canceled the contract, you know, you know, this is where you know I'm sure somebody got mad and tried to sue, canceled the contract and shipped all that coal out where it was needed. I mean, this mm-hmm. is somebody who said this is the legalisticness of this is wrong people are freezing and freezing to death so you know let's do what's right this idea of what's right is 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 seems to be alien in the states just mm-hmm. absolutely it's it 's vanished as a concept
2: and and that you know the the resources and even the efforts of people like in the West you know don 't really belong to the people they belong to the elite right and Putin does not believe that, and you know his actions demonstrated that you know he believes that the resources belong to the people, and that 's exactly what he did with the the coal you know and and what he 's done with the the all the oil too yep. you know he 's used that to grow his country and and for it to be something to, you know, really be proud of the, the transformation in, in Russia. I mean, it's, it's a gigantic place and, you know, I can't, I can't, it's hard to wrap my mind, you know, just around all the different parts and just how, how he's been able to build all those parts back up.
0: Yeah. Well, I think if you have that vision and you can communicate it to the right people and, and, and get the problem people out of the way, I, I think it almost bubbles up naturally, but mm-hmm. it was a matter of removing this, this mm-hmm. cancerous structure, you know, as, as it was possible bit by bit by bit to cut away this parasitic oligarchy and start making it work as, as a unified whole, you know, I and mean, there's a long way to go. I mean, there's still a lot of unhappy people, but you know, uh, you talk to anybody on the street, you know, they they go out and they interview people and it's just like, oh, this is great. This is good. You know, things aren't perfect, but they're so much better and they have hope. They have hope.
2: And it's real so, hope, not the, you know, the, you know, the pseudo the hope that, you know, that we get. In America.
0: Right. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's something to look at and, and give you hope that at least in some corner of the world, things are as not as much as we can tell, progressing as they should.
2: Oh, that's, that's the other thing, too, that, you know, really struck me with the documentary is, you know, here is this amazing leader that, you know, we can all really learn from and, and you know, it, it does go through, you know, how he's, how he's doing things and uh, there's so many lessons and it's just such a travesty that, you know, the world doesn't see him, you know, as he is but through the lens of, oh, yeah. you know, this, this Western pathology <laughs> and, and it's, it's, it's just, it's very disheartening to, you know, see that um, when there's such like a, a, an amazing figure, you know, in our world now, you know, I, I've, I've always wanted, it always, I always thought, you know, how great it would be to actually have, you know, a, a world leader that I could admire and, you know for all most all my life you know there's 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 been nobody like that
0: right well yeah. it's kind of ironic in uh, in panoramologically lobachevsky speaks of the the pathologically infected country and and kind of the communication between normal countries how the people the normal people in a pathological country look longingly towards where they see the normality and at the <laughs> same time it calls out the pathologicals within a normal country who want to go. Mm-hmm. And at the time he wrote it, of course he was writing of the Soviet Union and all the issues they had there and of course they were looking to the states and it's it's just beyond ironic that here it is anybody who's thinking in the states is looking at Russia going, yeah. "Oh my god, I wish I could move there. These you know this is this is how it should be."
1: And all the pathologicals in Russia are being like, "We need to strengthen our ties with the states. Right? We need our we need our freedom to 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 rape the Russian economy."
0: That's and, right. Oh god.
1: So yeah, the tables have turned quite they, starkly but when we when we were talking about Putin and how he at least according to the accounts like lacked a certain amount of power when he started and has gained that power mm-hmm. that can easily lead to the charge that he is a you know a despot he is dictator. a dictator and because no you know no person can have that amount of power and and a person with that amount of power is they have to be bad they have to be bad <laughs> and this comes back to our discussion couple months ago, a few months ago, with Tom Stevenson about Julius Caesar, because you can really see some similarities there. The the people that assassinated Julius Caesar, their rally cry was, well, first of all, freedom, but that, that Rome should suffer no kings, and that a, a king was a bad thing, because that was when you have that much power in, in one person's um, hands that it can only lead, it can only lead to bad things but that's i think that's
0: it. it's not an analogous situation no. though because the couple of times when people have you know either questioned him in formal situations or just some you know little old lady coming up with her note and he was very careful to say i will speak to the regional governor i will speak to the person who handles that well, that I, area that department so he's very clear mm-hmm. about i can't from on high make this happen for you and and i think that's that's doubly good because it gives credit and respect mm-hmm. deserved or not i mean maybe you hope that if you give that credit and respect the person in the region will live up to that yeah or but it also reminds people that he is not a king he mm-hmm. cannot rule by decree and you know and and he sincerely believes that and that's he, fantastic
2: he has a, a an amazing admiration and uh just respect for you know the law as it should be you know which which is like you
0: do you know, want to give another spoiler and tell the CIA story or the the Kate the FSB story
1: no oh, go ahead oh man. oh this this
0: is priceless okay so here's putin bright eyed bushy tailed fresh out of university he's got his law degree he's you know, really, and and he he tells the story. It's hilarious. You have to watch the
1: documentary. Well, you can also this story. He also tells it in uh, the the book First Person, which is a series of interviews with him that he gave oh, just okay. soon after becoming president. So I think it, the the book was published in two thousand or two thousand one. Yeah. Well, so apparently this too.
0: happened in seventy six. Yeah. So here he is, and he's he's made his goal. He's 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 a FSB officer. He was working um, not frontline. Well, he's always been a little cagey about that, but mostly he was an administrator. He is an analyst, whatever. So he says, here we are. We're in a meeting. We're discussing this small operation. There's like 10, 15 people in the room, and the guy in charge is, okay, we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we're going to do the other. And he says, I, I stand up, and I say, I don't think we can do whatever it is the guy wanted to do. And this grizzled little guy looks at him and says, excuse me. And he says, well, we can't, it's illegal. <laughs> and he just looked at me and laughed and he says, and thank goodness, this was 1976. This was a long time after all the purges and all the, you know, when really bad things could happen. But he you know, said, and, th- and then they all ignored me, <laughs> but he has this tremendous respect. The legality of things, and he's always on about international law. Like there is international law. If we applied international law to insert situation, it should go like this, this, and this. And why is that not happening?
2: And it applies to all levels, you know. All it's levels. Not, it's not just to benefit, like we were talking about earlier. It's not mm-hmm. just to benefit, you know, the uh, elite and apply when we want it to, or when they want it to, and when they don't want it to. Yeah. You know, it, it's across the board. Law is the law, and. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but there's also heart
2: within that law. The law is
0: the law, but if you're pregnant and heading to the hospital by all means, speed, you know, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that's what's missing.
1: But even that, all that said, Putin does wield an enormous amount of power. Mm -hmm. And even if that is legitimate power and he exercises that power. So he may, he may, like when he gets a, a request from a little old babushka mm-hmm. about something and he hands that off to the person responsible for that. At the same time, he does have the power to fire that governor or wh- whomever if, if they, if um, they're not following yeah. the yeah. responsibilities. And the very
0: strong that, hint that you should really do something mm-hmm. about
1: this. <laughs> but the the point being that having that much power isn't necessarily a bad thing. In fact, it is often, and well, I think it is always at least, um, Given what humans are like, a necessary thing. Mm-hmm. Because when we use the example of American society and we look at the police officers, we see that that is lacking and that that is probably the only thing that would hold these people responsible. Because right now, we don't have anyone in Canada, the United States, or big Western country who can s- say to every police department, the way you are behaving is totally socially irresponsible. I'm going to fire every one of these police chiefs who has been condoning or covering up or doing anything like this. So you guys are all out and every one of you better be- get on board and start changing your act or else we're going to place all of you because mm-hmm. it is unacceptable. Right. There's no one saying that. The only people saying that are, tiny people with a tiny voice who have no actual authority to back it up. Right. Because that's not the, that's not the kind of thing that you can say to a person in a position of power, like in a police department without having some kind of
0: repercussion. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Without some kind of power to enforce the repercussion. Mm -hmm. And so that's what, yeah, that's like why, why I said that even if there is a person or an organization that has that power, knowing it for that reason. And that's why, Mm -hmm. That's what I think leads to a legitimate criticism of power in the sense that when people are in positions of power like that, it is very easy if that person is a psychopath to take that in a, t- in a totally wrong direction, which is the direction that we have been seeing it go in in the West in yeah. general. Mm-hmm. When you have someone like Putin who actually has integrity, personal integrity, and who is in that position of power, then he can act as that, that pole that um, – that kind of force at the top that people will have to align with Mm -hmm. in for the good of society. Right. And we don't have anything like that.
0: Well, there's no sense of commonality. No, like Russia's he's managed to build a sense of we're all in this together. It's, it's sort of like the, the, the good side of communism. We're all in this together. We all need to support each other. Um, but it's, it's a voluntary, it's 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 a it's a voluntary gift from each person to give what they can, as opposed to when communism and he was very upfront. He says the big mistake we made was trying to trying to impose our view on a lot of other people. That was bad. We're not doing that now. Mm-hmm. But if you can call forth that cooperation, that wish to be part of and strengthen, then you know.
2: Well, that's the thing that's he sees. Wonderful. He sees himself as a part. Of you know the Russian society, he doesn't see himself as like you know the this um, supreme ruler. You know he's he's uh, being of service as best as he can. You know uh, you know working you know eighteen hour days for you know for the Russian people mm-hmm. and um, yeah just the whole his whole perspective on you know, being you know being a part of society rather than ruling over it that's a it, just a very
1: uh, fresh view from from what we see here. <laughs> and here. and seeing his position as one of service yeah. yes and there's a good quote in the documentary i can't remember who the who it was that said it one of the the church leaders the orthodox church leaders who'd said that for a man like putin power is the the is cross. cross
0: is a cross to bear yeah not something to be sought. Mm -hmm. And he says, that's the person you want as your leader Mm -hmm. for whom power is a burden and something serious and must be handled with care. You know, I mean, he didn't say all that, but he just said power was a cross. And even, even in in another quote in the the interview, he said, um, in his mind, the touchstone of a leader, a true leader is one who can imagine themselves not leading Mm -hmm. that he said, and he, he was, sitting in the middle of the Kremlin, this amazing storied palace with so much history and it's, it's stunning. He says, you know, I, I live here now, but I could very easily tomorrow go back to an apartment mm-hmm. and be equally happy. You know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and the test of the leaders who can do that, who could walk out of that position and be, the same person they were when they left.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I do think Putin's a pretty, you know, unique individual, and you know, makes you wonder. You know, I, I think he's uh, probably grown a lot in his role uh, mm. by taking you know uh, the positions that he has, and you know, particularly the the mindset of you know being of service uh, to others, and you know, you have to wonder if, you know, if he's, you know, taking in, um, certain, certain qualities and characteristics just as a part of doing that. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's just certainly not, you you don't, you don't see that same fire and that same energy, um, you know, in, in, in the
1: West. Yeah. And I have to give props to the Russians and even just the people that made this documentary, because it seems like, uh, well, first of all, my personal opinion, my the way I see what's going on is that Putin actually is this guy. Like, he does have the sense of responsibility. It's not just an image. But if you look at it from the perspective of, um, of the image makers and the people that um, present the image of the president or Putin to Russia and the world, I think they're doing, they're doing the best job possible in that situation, in the sense that the image that they're presenting is of uh, a person, well, first of all, a person that should be emulated in other people's lives. So one that does have social responsibility, one that that self-sacrifices, that does things for the good of others, and that works nonstop for that, that, is, that does have personal integrity, that doesn't stand for uh, for corruption, it stands up against corruption, that works for the people. This is an image that resonates with the people, and for good reason. Mm-hmm. And it acts as this kind of resonator, where the the people then see that as an ideal to which they want to strive, and it it then it reverberates out and works for the of society as a whole. If we look at the way that someone like Obama is presented, <laughs> or and or even any kind of. Uh, major public figure in the states, whether uh, in a per, in a position of authority or in, a, in like a in a position of just popularity, as in entertainers or actors or musicians or singers or things like that, where we don't have that same uh, that same ideal that's presented towards the people as something to, to work toward. I mean, look at Obama. What what about him is is and worth emulating? Like, yeah. <laughs> there, there's nothing. He's not presented as this. As this person with a great social responsibility who cares deeply about about issues that actually matter and that and that matter to people, every once in a while he'll pay, he'll pay like lip service to something, but he's just a totally bland personality. And we don't—I I, I mean, I personally don't see him as as a person that that just works nonstop for the the betterment of his country and the world at large. I mean, that it's impossible mm-hmm. given given what first of all just the kind of person he is and second the part of system that he's involved in that is just totally hypocritical double standards that has raped the entire world and continues to rape it it's uh, there's just a complete t- and total difference between the two mm. and so that's why uh, that's why I got to give you know props to the, the makers of this documentary and just um, and Putin himself for just being this person to and then presenting that image uh, to the people to act as you know a, a, an ideal worth emulating yeah. well, I
2: yeah that and that the image that they presented, you know it wasn't just like some propaganda you know it was um you know an objective measure that can be looked at in terms of his actions. you know you can you can go back and see exactly what he's done. Uh, and you know, he's, he doesn't, he doesn't just say things. He's, he's, he's a, he's a doer. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, not only that, but, but he actively seeks out, uh, again, in this documentary, they talked to a couple of different people who came to him or came to departments with ideas. And it's like, you can't do everything yourself, but if you find somebody who has a dream and a vision, I think the particular example was, was insulin. Um, they've, You know, they've got an aging population in some ways and and they need medicine and they were completely dependent on Europe for their medications. And some guy just kind of sat up and said, this is ridiculous. And he came to Putin and said, you know, I have this idea. I think we could make ourselves pharmaceutically independent and, you know – Putin just said, okay, what do you need? And marshaled all the resources, and, and this guy's happily there. They've got a factory. It's world-grade standards. They're employing 300 people. And and it's just he, – he seems to have this ability to call out good people with good ideas and, and make it possible. So – it's, it's it's it'll self-perpetuate. And then the more people see that this is possible, these creative, industrious types come out of the woodwork because it's finally worth it. You don't have some mafioso leaning over your shoulder ready to take 30 to 60% of your profits before you even see a dime. And he's, he's kind of cleared the way for the average... I mean, you know, when you take take a society as a whole and you, you go with the idea that of them, maybe 90% are normal and you clear the way and just let them do their thing. Great things happen.
2: Well, I think when he came in power, you know, all that was around him was uh, this dependence on, you know, whether it was the IMF or uh, other uh, debtors and, you know, that he saw how, how that was really paralyzing um, the Russian society Mm -hmm. and you know, by removing that debt and kind of forming this uh, self-reliance in Russia, and you know, removing the influence of you know these parasites and pathological types, uh, he was able to really build Russia. And what's what I think you know really uh, amazing now is he's not just building self-reliance, but he's also now building um, trade agreements with people he can trust you know <laughs> yeah and and it's it's a it's this you know mutual partnership uh, that he's kind of taking that he's you know he's built that within Russia and now he's applying it to the world scene yeah. the multipolar world yeah you know,
0: we don't have I mean this whole idea that everybody can prosper and we don't have to control your country we don't have to have a puppet government there you go do your thing make your coconuts whatever it is you do we'll buy them you need stuff. We'll sell it to you. I mean, what a concept. <laughs> it's just, um, oh, shoot, I lost my thought. <laughs> just this whole idea of, of getting out from under the IMF. And, oh, that that's it. Just, I'm just waiting for the day where he turns around and says, thank you for all the th- sanctions, Europe. Yeah. That was just the best thing you could have done for us. Because not only did it physically, f- it's physically forcing them to become... Uh, not just a raw resources exporter, but to become a manufacturer. But it's given them a common cause to rally. It's like you don't want to sell us milk? We'll make more milk ourselves. You don't want to sell us cheese? We've got cheese. So they, um, this idea that we we can we're not poor backward Russia anymore that suffered under communism. You know we can be a self sufficient actor in the world. I mean,
2: that's just a, a, a boon to people's spirits. Well, you have to wonder if, you, well, yeah, I, I don't know that he necessarily foresaw uh, the exact no. uh, things that were, are, you know, playing out today it is fascinating to see how, you know, all the different things that he's implemented, uh, you know, over the 16 years that he's been, you know, in power that, that, that it's kind of accumulated and, and has, um, uh, present like he's, he, these things aren't just happening. He's mm-hmm. been doing these things all along. And just now it's kind of created this, um, this point where it kind of all comes together and he's able to, you know, really, um, uh, create all these, all these things. Yeah. He's been laying the groundwork. Yeah.
0: Definitely laying the groundwork. So, Job.
1: <laughs> looks like we're running up on the end of the show any final
0: thoughts watch the and watch the documentary yeah it'll be worth yeah. the time it's fantastic
1: yeah so I think that'll be all for today then thanks to everyone for listening uh, stay away from the police if you can because they're dangerous and um, yeah watch the documentary and we'll see you next week tune in tomorrow behind the headlines Monday health and wellness show Everyone take care. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening, guys.
0: Bye.